Embark on a journey of faith, fellowship and discovery with Vision Tours as you experience Australia's rich Christian heritage firsthand. Visit Christian heritage sites and museums in Sydney and across the Blue Mountains on this 10-day tour. Understand the people and events that shaped the fledgling colony with Outback historian Dr Paul Rowe. Join like-minded people this November with Vision Tours. See tour dates, highlights and inclusions at vision.org.au slash tours. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose. Alex, a special welcome back to 2020. Hey, Neil. Great to be with you again. Hey, Alex. Let's talk superannuation here for a few moments because uh, just these last few days, results have started to come through. Superannuation funds Mm. returning negative results for the financial year, and this really hasn't been seen for the last uh, decade or more, right back to the global financial crisis. Some people will be asking if super is worth it. What are your thoughts about superannuation and the fact that there's been some negative results? Yeah, well, look, people should expect negative results from time to time. The investment market and business cycle, um, you know, they go they go in waves. And uh, we've been in an amazing, uh, really, bull market since the global financial crisis of 2008. So we've had very strong returns since then, um, almost abnormally so. The returns have been very good. Um, and now we're just going to a more challenging period. And, uh, you know, this is the first down year, maybe next year as well. Who knows? It's it, You know, you can never try and predict a year ahead. But it's it shouldn't be seen as a uh, thing to worry about. It is a normal part of the uh, of the cycle. That's that's the investment world for you, um, and therefore you know people need to play the long game when it comes to your super. You know, most of us are in super from, you know, the day we start in the workforce. So you, you, more than likely, you're going to be in a super fund for, you know, 30 to 50 years. Uh, maybe not the same fund the whole time. But the point is, it's, it's a long game. And you shouldn't be worried about the, um, you know, the day-to-day fluctuations. And, you know, you should expect a negative return, you know, once every uh, five to 10 years, depending on how much risk you're taking. If you're in a very growth-orientated fund, you'll have negative returns a little bit more often. If you're in a very conservative fund, you may get one only sort of one every 10 years. So it's something to be expected, not something to be uh, concerned with. So what makes superannuation so attractive? Uh, You know, sometimes we're just leaving it on the side, not worried about it at all. Uh, But what's making it so attractive, Mm. Alex? Yeah, this is so. This is the important thing for people to understand: is what really is super and what is it for? And, and the key attraction of super is it's a low tax environment. So you know, people often say to me, "Alex, oh, my super hasn't done very well." And I'd say, "Well, technically, your super hasn't done anything. It's just the investments inside your super fund." So I always try and explain to people that they need to divorce. Um, investing from superannuation. They are two separate things in the sense that, yes, your super fund has investments in it, but the reason why you're putting money into super is because you're trying to get your money into a low-tax environment. That's the goal of the exercise, so that you can save money concessionally uh, in preparation for retirement. And super is, generally speaking, is very attractive relative to the average Aussie's income tax. So most the average Aussie is paying about 32.5% in tax, whereas if that's inside a super fund, 
they're only paying 15% tax. Uh, and if it's capital gains and you know investments have been held for a certain period of time, it reduces to 10%. And when you get to retirement and you're actually retired, it drops to zero. So this is the super, and I say to people this, in a, I don't mean in a, in a sinister way, but it's super is the ultimate tax haven in Australia. Uh, particularly for uh, retirees. So its key attraction is the fact that it is a low tax environment. Think of the investment side of it as a separate issue, an important issue, but a separate issue. But remember, you're putting your money in there to minimise your tax and grow your wealth for the retire- for you know for the long-term uh, purpose of retirement. So, Alex, we're into a new financial year and uh, some might be thinking, is this the time to be looking at a review of my super? What should I do? Uh, I'm in a certain type of fund. There are some other different type of funds that might be better for me. Uh, Retail funds, industry funds, even self-managing your own superannuation. Uh, Is this a time to be thinking about uh, what you do with your super? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's just run through for listeners just the, the, the main types of funds they have available to them. Uh, probably the most common one you see on TV is the industry funds. <clears throat> Their history is they were largely set up by unions across specific industries. So, for example, the retail industry has REST, the health sector has HESTA, um, Christian Super for, for Christians. You know, there's all these different industry funds that exist. Um, and I, I, I refer to them as being cheap and cheerful. They're, they're low-cost Um, They've often got quite solid returns, although the returns do vary significantly between them. Um, But they are a very good solution for a significant portion of the population. I would suggest over half the population at least should be in industry funds Um, because, as I say, they're low cost, they're low fuss, and they're simple to understand. So that's the the increasingly common one. And, of course, the two biggest super funds in Australia are actually industry funds. Um, Then we have retail funds, and these are the funds promoted by financial institutions like banks and you know, big finance companies like AMP. Uh, and these are also a huge sector in their own right. Uh, they typically are a bit more expensive, but they often give people more choice. And as I say, this is a um, a more broad area in the sense I, 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 I like to use car analogies. So to me, your industry fund is your, your kind of Hyundai Excel. Not sure if they actually even sell the XL anymore. <laughs> then you've got retail funds, which are more across, across between like a, a Holden Commodore and a Mercedes-Benz, depending on the fund you're in. And, and the costs equally vary like that. Um, and it, basically, a retail fund gives you more choice, gives you more options. Um, some of the industry fund, sorry, the retail funds that I've seen can give you a choice of a thousand different investments. So that may be appropriate for some people. And then the other big sector um, is self-managed super funds for those who are keen on really taking hold of it and doing it themselves, which I would say to people, that sounds good in theory, but be very careful um, about going the self-managed path. Um, you know, do you think, um, you know, you've got the, the knowledge to do it properly and to obey all the rules? Um, but with a self-managed super fund, they have a number of distinct advantages, particularly for people who want to own real estate inside their super fund. So I've got clients where they may own an investment property or they may have a commercial premises inside their selfish, uh, self-managed super fund that their business operates out of. So there's that's, a, that's a, an option for people who uh, really want to take real genuine ownership over their money uh, or 
have um, a particular need for a tangible asset like property in there. Um, so that's popular. Uh, the last sort of sector, which doesn't apply to everyone, but some, some people, listeners may have them, are public sector, sector funds. Uh, these are set up usually by the government, um, and there's been some stellar ones over the years, particularly the old defined benefit style funds, if you're fortunate enough to be in any of those, um, where you're essentially getting a guaranteed uh, income for life when you retire, uh, courtesy of the taxpayer. So they're very attractive for people who are already in them, not, not generally available for, for new people. Um, so they're, they're the different sectors. And Really, there's no one size fits all. It's really a situation on where you're at and how involved you want to be, uh, how fee conscious you are, because fees do matter. How much choice do you want to have, and how much money do you or have you already accumulated? So there's a couple of things that go into the decision making process, if you like, uh, in determining which one is for you. Um, you know, if you've got a small balance, I typically lean people towards industry funds. Um, if they've got, as I say, that maybe they're self-employed and they, they want to buy a property to operate their business out of, then I say, oh, maybe you'd consider a self-managed super fund. Um, or if you have a particular strong desire for choice, like, you know, I know a lot of Christians, for example, that want to own gold in their super funds, uh, and therefore you're going to have to choose either a retail fund or a self-managed super fund in order to do that. So it all comes down to your particular situation, how you want to be and how much choice you want to have. Okay, Alex's latest headlines, though, negative returns. That means super funds losing money. It means my balance mm. has gone backwards. Uh, so uh, you mentioned the thought a little earlier in the, uh, in the introduction as we were getting this conversation underway uh, that sometimes you've got to look at these things long term. What are your thoughts about how you respond when there are negative returns? Yeah, so of course, I think the question sometimes is to ask why, like, are you in a fund that's very um, aggressive and therefore when things turn downwards, like, uh, um, you know, stock markets crash, etc., uh, is, is your fund going to be more impacted than it would be if it was in a more conservative option? Uh, so that's, that's one thing to sort of consider, you know, how much risk are you taking? Uh, and really... The decision as to how much risk you want to take is partly a personal decision in the sense of how, how you feel about it, are you comfortable with the level of risk that you've got, but it's also an issue of your age. You know, someone who is 25 can afford to take a lot more risk or, if you like, take a much more growth-orientated approach uh, because they've got so long before they're even able to touch their superannuation. Whereas, say, someone who's 70 years old, um, they're drawing an income out of their super fund, they may need to be more careful to protect the capital. So they, they still want to grow it because we've all got to beat inflation and you know, inflation's a big issue as, as we all know in the media, but you also want to protect your capital as well. So you know, you've got to make it last for the course of your retirement. So you need to manage the risk that you're taking within the super fund. But, you know, the Bible actually gives us great wisdom in, in this area. And, um, you know, some listeners may have heard me quote this particular passage before, and it's from Ecclesiastes um, chapter 11, verse 2, where it says, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight, because you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Now, really, all that's saying is uh, the, the classic um, saying that financial advisors will say to you, and that is, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, diversify your money. And you can diversify in all sorts of ways. You know, you can have a bit in shares, a bit in property, a bit in cash, a bit in bonds, uh, a bit in alternative assets like gold and things like that. So you can spread your money out so that when, uh, you know, 
uncertain times come along, you're not um, taking excessive risk by putting too much money into one area. So that's just great, um, you know, wisdom straight out of scripture, but it'll also help you to protect capital and um, to ride through any tough times. But as I said right at the start, you need to play the long game with super. You can't focus on day-to-day returns. You can't, you know, we, we live in this sort of 24-7 media cycle these days where people are constantly bombarded with new information and the way those stories are often put together is, is either negative or you know designed to make people react um, and therefore people could make unwise decisions out of emotion so my view is play the long game know that you're invested in good quality assets and, and let time do the work you know the, the old good old-fashioned compound interest uh, which I think Albert Einstein said was the the eighth wonder of the world. So, you know, let time and compound interest do the work and uh, let your super do do that heavy lifting for you over time. Alex, thoughts here as a Christian, is there a biblical foundation for playing the long game? Uh, the thought that, yes, right through until the day I die is somehow or other I've got to be thinking about that early in my career, earlier in my life. Any thoughts here on a biblical perspective on uh, growing older, playing the long game? Yeah, look, I mean, I I have a, a simple position here, and that is that, you know, as Christians, we... Uh, you know we're here for a purpose, um, and that goes way beyond anything to do with money. We have a calling, and that doesn't necessarily relate specifically to our occupations and indeed to retirement. I think there's probably, if you like, in our society, a, a gross overemphasis on accumulation, uh, and there are practical reasons why we should accumulate. You know, so that we can provide for ourselves when we're old and we are unable to work. But from a day-to-day perspective, we should be focusing on what is God calling me to do and how am I going to live that out in in the world? We shouldn't be, um, you know, as I say, obsessing over money and so forth. And I think there's a real danger in our society that people can fall in love with money and get on the sort of accumulation treadmill. Um, and that's very hard to, to get off because it becomes a, a sort of a dangerous mentality. And I think we can sort of end up buying to the world's view of retirement rather than God's view. Now, to me, <laughs> Christians retire when they die. <laughs> they, they don't retire when they get to 65. Now, once again, I'm not suggesting that all the listeners have to work until they day they drop. You know, many people may have very physical jobs where they, uh, you know, they can't go to work when they're 85 to drive a truck or they, you know, there's all sorts of practical reasons why most of us will cease paid employment uh, at some point. However, we need to make sure that we don't sort of adopt the world's view that retirement's just this sort of uh, nirvana where you're just going to be walking on the beach and, uh, you know, collecting shells, which is how it's sort of pitched. Um, retirement for many people is, you know, there's, there's health issues, there's, there's, there's all sorts of associated things with it that aren't that great. So I say to people, what you need to do is actually be engaged in your kingdom purpose. Uh, my experience also as a financial advisor is watching people in this space is the longer you work, the longer you'll live. You know, if you look straight in scripture, you know, and you only have to go back to Genesis where God created the world, he worked for six days and on the seventh day he rested. In other words, we were designed to work. Human nature was meant to work. Now, once again, don't get caught up into whether that's paid or not. But the point is you're meant to get up every day on purpose with a very clear objective of going about the work that God has for you. Um, rather than getting obsessed with the world's view of 
this accumulation for retirement. Once again, we, we all need to do some accumulating for it, but we need to have that kingdom perspective uh, when we're thinking about our, our money and what we're going to be doing with our time going forward as Alex, being good stewards of everything. Running short of time, a quick couple of questions here that might just bring some things together for listeners. Uh, how much super I ought to be aiming for and how I might best maximise uh, that super in a super fund that I might be part of right now. Any thoughts here? Mm. So the, the classic one is how much do I need? And that really depends on your desired level of income in retirement. So what I encourage listeners here to think about is think about what you see yourself doing in retirement. Is it going to be quite different to what you're doing now or, or is it going to be, you know, keep on roughly doing the same thing? And, and therefore, what we want to work out is how much income do you need to live off? Because the question I always ask people is how much income do you need to, to live off to, to live the lifestyle that you wish to maintain during those latter years. Now, thankfully, there are some good industry studies out there that show people um, how much they need. And for uh, what we call basic living, the industry associations say that a couple would need about forty dollars to $42,000 for basic living, enough to you know pay the bills, electricity, gas, all that kind of thing. Um, if you want more comfortable living, which they define as $62,000 a year, that will give you a sort of a sense of what I call your, this is what I call your target income. In other words, how much income you need in retirement. Because once you've worked that out, how much you're going to spend, you can then work out how much capital you're going to need. Now, keep in mind, for most of us and probably 80% of Australians, your income, which you'll be getting from your super fund, will also probably be partially supplemented from Centrelink because about 80% of Australians end up on the age pension or a part pension and therefore you're going to get a mixture of your superannuation income with your Centrelink. Generally those two combined will be uh, sufficient for the average Aussie Um, but the key as I say is working towards how much income do you need to live off because then you can work out to make sure you actually have enough super in retirement. Okay well good insights as always Alex Cook. And uh, let me point people to how they can connect with you. There is a website, wealthwithpurpose.com. And no doubt some of the free resources you've got there revolve around these issues. Superannuation, you've got free ebooks, you've got the My Toolkit, uh, videos and podcast content on there. It's wealthwithpurpose.com. You can follow Alex Cook on Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, on this segment, each week on a, a Tuesday, uh, this time uh, you'll be able to call in if you have a particular question on a finance issue. Alex Cook, wonderful getting your insights. Thanks so much for joining us once again today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.